What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also follow us on Facebook, iTunes, and Spotify. And look for us at talklouderpodcast.com. That's where you can get your swag and uh, follow us on our various platforms. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And we've got a fun show for you this episode we're going to bring in a friend of ours named Sean Weingartner, who is every bit the rock and roll nerd that me and Jason are. And I mean that in the best way possible. And Sean, uh, besides being a musician and an avid record collector and a frequent concert goer, is completely obsessed with rock and roll. And the subject of our episode today is a book that he has. It's called Headbangers. And we all refer to it as simply the book because it's taken on an identity of its own. And all you have to say is the book and we know what you're talking about. It's basically a reference book that lists uh, hard rock and heavy metal bands uh, from A to Z. It's got cross references, uh, multiple glossaries. It's just this insane book that will send you down multiple rabbit holes. And we're going to pick Sean's brain about that on today's episode. Jason, when did you first meet Sean? Um, uh, that date is escaping me. It was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I want to say 2006, a Broken Teeth show. And he walks in with this book under his arm. And I don't see him coming in the door. I'm not looking for him because I don't know Sean yet. And, but, you know, as he's probably going to tell the story, I was probably it was probably early when the opening bands were on, you know, kind of thing. And I, I was probably selling merch. And uh, here's this guy approaching me, and he breaks out this book uh, after he introduces himself. And uh, he's he's he was a local. I mean, he. He's, he moved to Austin and I don't, uh, just a couple of years later, he ended up moving to Austin. And that's how that's how you know him. And that's how all of our friends here in Texas uh, know Sean Weingartner. Right. Um, but he's he's just one of those guys. Everyone falls in love with him as soon as they meet him. He's the sweetest guy like you. You pretty much read his bio already. Uh, he's one of us. Yeah. So the uh, that date was. January 17th of 2006. Wow. When I met is when I met Sean, the day I met Sean. And like I said, it wasn't just a few years later that he that he ended up moving to Austin. So anyway, he approaches me with this book, Headbangers, the worldwide mega book of heavy metal bands. And I'm like blown away that this crazy ass, you know, 600 page monster that is just a to z demo tapes uh lp releases as far as like the, it gives a snippet history of any band you can think of that you love right it's right. got bands in, once you crack it and start going into it your next thing you know an hour has gone by because you're wow there was a band called ace you know there was a band called baboon oh there was a band called you know so you're just re you start to get into it and uh you see references you look up a band oh cool this band is in here and and check this out you'll look up one band and at the bottom of the paragraph it'll say 
also see, and then there's like 20 other bands listed. Well, guess what? Ace is listed or Baboon is listed. And next thing you know, there's this Kevin Bacon thing going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a great book. It's, it's, I call it voluminous. Uh, it's hefty. It's 500, 600 pages. It's, it's like a brick. And uh, Sean's going to, you know, enlighten us and share some stories about how he got the book, where the book comes from, and uh, some of his adventures as far as getting the pages of it autographed by various band members. Let's get into our subject with Sean Weingartner. And here he is, our special guest on this episode of the Talk Louder podcast, Mr. Sean Weingartner. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us today. And thanks for having me on. It's a quite a surprise. I'm I feel uh, feel honored to be here with two of my favorite people. Ah, uh, well, well, thank you. The feelings mutual, I'm sure. So let's uh, first of all uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's start with uh, where you're from. What first got you into rock and roll, and what continues to drive this sort of I'm just going to call it an obsession <laughs> that's turned you basically what turned you into the nerd you are today, just like me and Jason. All right. Um, so I'm from Southeast Virginia, just west of Virginia Beach. Um, lived there for 36 years, moved to Texas in late 06, Thanksgiving of 06. Um, in those early years, you know, I've got two older brothers. Um, the middle brother, he was six years older than me, Robert. And when I was seven or eight, um, he came home with a copy of Kiss Dress to Kill and on vinyl. And I'm like, where'd you get that? And he goes, well, I stole it from Montgomery Wards. (laughs) And I'm looking at the cover and I'm like, well, why are these guys with clown makeup wearing gangster suits? And he's just like, shut the fuck up and listen to it. (laughs) Okay. He puts it on and pretty much if he liked something, I liked it. He was, he was the next brother up and I kind of followed him around. Um, But he got me into, you know, priest in the late seventies that he stole Alice Cooper records. Like he Thank God he was a thief. That <laughs> sounds like um, it. <laughs> but Uriah Heat, um, so much of the Zeppelin, you know, I used to love Zeppelin at one point. I can't really listen to him anymore. But he, he really, like, turned on that switch for the heavier and darker side of music for me. Um, unfortunately, he died about 11 years ago. Um, you know, shit happens, drugs happen, and he just it was something that he could never get away from. Yeah. But um the legacy you know it's it's because of him that i ended up how i am today with music and it was really cool because he didn't really get into like the heavy metal side of things so when i started being able to get into you know 80s priest and maiden and metal church and king diamond i started making dubs of those cassettes when i'd see him because he he was kind of homeless sometimes you know we would go a year or two without hearing from him but i would just make these dubs and then one day, Robert would show up. It's like, hey, man, here's a bag of tapes. Check them out. Tell me what you what you think. Like, he fell in love with uh, spreading the disease by anthrax. He just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Um, Exodus, Pleasure of the Flesh, loved it. Metal Church, just, he, he just loved so much of the stuff I gave him. King Diamond, he loved it just because of the voice. And he's like, oh, man, that guy's voice is annoying. I love it. I can fuck with my friends with this, you know? <laughs> so it's really... Uh, really through him that, um, you know, that obsession started. Then, you know, I'll even say that a lot of it had to do with the satanic panic of the 80s. 
you know, I grew up a church kid and me and my two or three best friends that I'm still best friends with now, you know, having to, we had a secret tape trade in Sunday school. We'd, we'd take maiden tapes or King Diamond tapes or whatever and put them in our socks and then trade them during Sunday school. <laughs> and we had the coolest Sunday school teacher. He's like, I know you kids aren't like sacrificing goats or doing whatever. I'm not saying anything to your parents. Uh, this guy named Dean Howell, he's, he died about 20 years ago as well. But, you know, that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, he's seeing that and not saying anything and actually probably seeing that it says King Diamond or Merciful Fate and there's probably an upside down cross somewhere. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing because he knew you guys as kids enough to know that uh, it was just music. Yeah, and then, you know, we had to sit through the, the traveling preachers that would come through and show videos of, you know, Venom and Blue Oyster Cult, they called Satanic and Twisted Sister and whatever. And all we're doing, we're just sitting there taking notes. Like, <laughs> like oh, man, what, what band is that they're showing? Okay. Back, know, we're taking backfire. Yeah, total backfire. Yeah. And it opened up such a whole new world of stuff. So, yeah, you know, you know I wasn't like... I didn't really love it just because of being rebellious. I just, I really love the music and I love, love the darker side of it. And, you know, I be, I was, I always wanted to play drums. So in 84, I got a drum set too. So that I'm going to play drums and I'm into heavy stuff. Metal is where it was at. So. So, yeah, you, you, that's a fairly common story. Uh, an older sibling kind of gets you interested in music and then, uh, you know, some of us just run with it and never let it go. And you're obviously one of those guys. And so we're talking today about the book. I just wanted to give people a little bit of background about you because Jason and I know you pretty well at this point, but, um, Moving ahead to the book, uh, let's talk about the book. Where did you first acquire it? Uh, how long have you had your copy? Um, you've been nice enough to give me a copy. Jason has a copy. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, give us the background on the book. So this book is called The Worldwide Mega Book of Heavy Metal Bands, um, written by a guy named Mark Hale, who I've never been able to find any information on whatsoever. Weird. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you ever Weird. met the author, since you're obviously his biggest promoter. And I have searched the world over, and I think it may have just been a pen name. Ah, okay. Um, I don't know, um, but I've never been able to find. I found like Mark Hales on Facebook or MySpace or whatever, and it's never been the same one. So I don't know. I I would love to just kind of hug that guy if I ever got to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was married briefly from 95 to 96, like 17 months, whatever. We were too young, blah, blah, blah. Same old uh, sob story. My wife was like borderline genius mathematician, could write with both hands, like write a sentence from the middle type crazy genius person. Wow. But she was a voracious reader. And we lived about a mile in our first apartment, a mile from the Chesapeake Library. So you know, she's going and checking out books and I'm just like, you know, going through the reference section, looking for heavy metal or rock and roll books, heavy metal books, whatever. And then one day I just see this thing, you know, I see headbangers on the spine and I'm like, oh, well, I've got to pull this out. <laughs> and of course, libraries, you can't check out reference books. Climbing over furniture to get to that, right? <laughs> um, oddly enough, the librarian was an ex-girlfriend's mom. So I'm just like, 
I live a mile away. I'm not going to steal this book. I know it's a reference book. She goes, well, let me check to see how many times it's been checked out. Or, you know, the thing still looked brand new, the copy that I, that I pulled in there. She goes, just take it, bring it back in a week. If you want to take it back home again after that, fine. Just don't tell anybody that I'm letting you do that. That's kind of a, this is getting juicy. I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm watching a movie now. Yeah. You've crossed paths with some pretty gracious authority figures. Yeah, I've been a pretty lucky guy. You've had some cool enablers, yeah. Uh, and I'm a good talker. I can kind of sweet talk my way into and out of trouble sometimes. <laughs> um, Biz businessman, you're businessman. That is my business. <laughs> uh, and I, so I, I brought it home like all the time and would just, I just started reading it front to back and seeing how this thing cross-referenced bands, you know, listed all the demos, the albums, and my nose was in it. Sure, it wasn't like reading, but it was information. Yeah. So, so we we should describe it for people. It's basically uh, an it's basically an archive. It's a reference book, and it goes alphabetical order. By and there's you know all kinds of heavy metal, hard rock bands. Some of them are obscure you'd never heard of, and then there's the obvious superstars. And it's 500 pages, 500 plus pages, uh, hardcover. It's a pretty hefty hefty book, and it is just as you described, uh, an archive, almost an encyclopedia reference type thing. And the level of detail is pretty insane. I mean, it lists band, me band members, uh, who played what instrument, when their demos came out, uh, what albums they've done, et cetera, et cetera. So go ahead. I just wanted to let people know what it is we're talking about a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the back, it's got, you know, all the band listings. It's got all the people that were in the band. So if you want to Hey, I want to see what bands Jason McMaster was in. Let me go look look in the back, and it's going to cross reference. It's going to show the number corresponding with each band name in there. So, so let me let me let me interrupt for a second. So when when you um, introduce someone to the book, like you know, you go to a, let's create a scenario. You go to a show, and you have the book under your wing like you always do, like the first time I met you, you were walking into the venue with the book under your wing and completely unassuming you're approaching someone like they're a target because you know they're in the book and you're probably going to, and I not probably, you get them to sign their um, entry. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, their their page that they are presented. Yeah. Um, if they're in there multiple times, you might have them sign multiple pages. Yeah. So typically, you know, and let's just take let's just take you for example. Um, when I did meet you in January of two thousand six, Peppermint Beach Club, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, Bruce um, Bruce uh, drummer Broken Teeth has that show poster framed under glass hanging on his studio wall with a ticket stub this very moment yeah i've still got the stub i do not have a poster but um so a little background that day my buddy who owns skinny's records norfolk virginia had been open since 87 and still there thankfully gives me a call and goes hey um singer for watchtowers new band is playing at the beach club tonight I have a free ticket if you want to go. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I do want to go to that. You know, not, not trying to give the stroke or anything, but you know, and I told you this that night, 
massive Watchtower fan. Energetic. Well, well, bless his heart and bless yours. Here's the deal. When someone refers to me as the singer for Watchtower, that puts them in a different sort of like box than (laughs) someone who says, hey, the singer for Dangerous Toys. Right. But it's the same when they say, hey, the singer for Broken Teeth. It's the same thing. It makes me sort of like, uh, I can't help but put them in a certain <laughs> in a certain box or category it, by the way they're referring to me. Yeah, um, it's all where we came in in the McMaster world. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's how, if it's how they first knew about me, right. I mean, obviously, whether they remember my name or not, they're able to see my name and say, oh, that's the singer for Watchtower. Hey, the singer for Watchtower. Oh, do you know the singer for Watchtower? They're not saying my name. <laughs> That's the funny part is they see my name and they still say, oh, the singer for whatever, right? Yeah, anyway, and I here. automatically said, oh, Jason McMaster, yes, I'll be there. I, I knew the name just because awesome. the nerddom. Awesome. None, of, none of it's bothersome at all. I just think right. that it's interesting that for someone to call me the singer for Watchtower makes me automatically go, okay, whoa, wait a minute. They go back. Right. Uh, quite a ways and that puts them they're either a young fan who just discovered that who doesn't recognize um anything uh that i've done past 88 yeah there's a there's a whole different level of nerddom if they recognize you as the guy from watchtower versus the guy from dangerous toys you could call them hardcore yeah hey that dude's hardcore and then right. you, and then you, in turn, you recognize that, and you go, "Oh, I got to get to know this person because they've done their right. homework." They, that <laughs> makes me think they either heard, they probably heard about Watchtower by tape trading or a fanzine. Yeah, and not anything glossy at all. So, so pick yeah, it up, Sean. At a, at a record store is how I found it. But so you're going to meet Jason. So walk into the beach club. Jason's standing in front of the massive Broken Teeth merch setup. Da da da. And, you know, like I can, I pick just be, it, that was a great evening for me, just all the way around. Um, just because I got just being able to meet Jason, like it was huge for me, just on a personal level, my level watchtower level. Um, well, you know, I didn't know how special you were until you ironically moved to Austin, but that yeah, we'll that, tell that yeah. we'll tell that story later. So, you know with Jason and with what I do with people that are in the book that I don't know. It's like, Hey, I've got a few things. If you wouldn't mind signing them, um, including this book. And everybody's like, wait, what, what is this book? You know, only a few people have ever been like, Oh yeah, I've got one of those or that's pretty cool. So, and I always say, you know, if you're in it, I'd like to get you to sign it. You know, I'm not trying to sell it. You know, this is a personal thing for me. If you want to inscribe it to me, feel free. I'm okay with that. Just let me get your ink in there. And with Jason, I did get you to sign it twice because it's a picture of Dangerous Toys that I had you sign. And then also in the Watchtower entry, I had you sign that spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, whatever Watchtower CD or cassette that I had, you know, I think I had the first dangerous toys cassette or something. Um, just whatever my stack of nerddom that I, that I bring along with, with, with events like that. You, yes, you took care of business and. Well, and, and that's why, 
that's why it's it's was kind of a mind-blowing thing it's like you're basically skimming through the book with me yeah check this thing out it's referencing you then and now and it's like and and then i think that i even said oh crap i bet paul's in here and we looked up dirty looks and of course paul was in there did you get paul to sign it that same night I did get paul to sign it that that's night. what i thought so so you went fishing and came back with fish someone yep. said go fish and you said i won i win <laughs> i got fish yep yeah it's, you know and i talk about this a lot when i'm when i'm doing my metal files thing about how i like I go in for one and then I end up with a couple others that were just kind of randos. Those, those are like the, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. They're you're, you're in a room and you've got a, like a, a target. And then the next thing you know, there's someone walking by and going, Hey, I think he's in here. That's why I love going to San Antonio with the book because yeah. every San Antonio band that may have just done a one-off demo, it's freaking in there. It's Death Tripper is in this book. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, I'm saying, how is Death Tripper in there? You know, who knows about Death Tripper? Well, let's talk about Mark Hale, even if that is a ghostwriter name. The and and we're gonna probably talk about this, but I'll just jump in and say this now. Um, before we move on, uh, I want to ask. It's actually Jared reminded me to ask who was the very first signature you got in the book. And if you remember the day or year that's the nerd stuff about it, tell us about it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that it was Paul Arnold and Sean Helsel from at war. Oh, cool. Uh, they were, they're from Virginia beach. So I, I grew up with these guys. I first met them in 86, um, a band that I used to go to their rehearsals to watch. They were, they had a rehearsal spot next door. So I've known these guys since I was kids. We've been friends. Um, when I first started doing my old Motorhead tribute, Capricorn USA, which we can talk about that later, how Jason was part of that as it brought it to Austin. Um, I had, or, uh, Paul contacted me and said, Hey, Sean and I are coming to your show tonight. Um, and I was like, Oh, great. You can get up and do the hammer with us. Cause they covered the hammer on one of the at war records. So, um, we're playing this this show, his outside show, and um, I just bring, you know, Paul up, and he sings the hammer. And for me, like, again, I've got one of my favorite people in the world up on stage with me, you know, just kicking it with my band. But that night, and that was probably 2003. That may have been the first one. All right. Oh, sorry. You know what? It's not the first one. We can go way further back. Wow. Okay. The juices. Yeah, good. It it was probably, now that I'm thinking about it, 98, 99, 98-99, World Dane from Sanctuary. Oh, kick ass. I went to Richmond to go see them with uh Shadows Fall. And I showed up with that, and of course, my sanctuary nerd them all my sanctuary crap. And just like everybody, what's what is this book? Tell me about this. Where can I get one? You know, kind of thing. That was pre-Amazon, but um, Whirl may have been the first one. 
Man, I'm th thank you for asking that question because yeah, I thought that it was, was uh, that was from our producer Jared who was like, you got to got to talk about the very first one because it sort of started an, an entire domino effect. Right. Now, I want I want David to jump in here in a in a second after I sort of like um, you know, you you graciously uh gifted uh, Metal Dave and I our own copies of this book. Um, I don't remember when exactly you gave me this. It was uh, sometime after you, of course, moved to Austin. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what a Jeff Daves has signed and mine's not, but we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sean. I know who you love more. So, uh, I had to pay I for talk that about ticket, this, by the way. Uh, I, I want to talk about this real quick, and then I want Metal Dave to chime in. So here's the deal. When do you think this, Sean, when do you think this guy started uh, collecting demo tapes, vinyl, fanzines, making phone calls and, and, and putting everything in a timeline and in a fashionable order, documenting not only the names of everyone in the band, the dates, years, uh, uh, index of labels and fanzines and radio stations and it's all in the index in the back this guy went ballistic on this pre-internet i mean what year do you think he started this he had to have started it like 84 85 okay that's so when you think about tape trading this is this is a part of that this this book is a part of the legacy, the legend, and the lore, the campfire stories of nerds who gather all the time, whether it be in person or online, in groups and forums, where they talk about collecting demo cassettes of underground bands, because they're all in here. They're all in here. Uh, I want Dave to to this question is kind of for Dave. What did you think when you basically wrapped your head around this book? Because you're a journalist, you know the work that it took to put this together. Yeah, um, I was just uh, amazed at the the thoroughness, I guess would be the word, how, how complete it is, especially for the time that it came out. Like you said, Jason, uh, this is pre-internet. So this guy did, his research was manual labor. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Googling a bunch of stuff. This was, this was hardcore research, uh, very time consuming, uh, obviously a fan, obviously very enthusiastic about it. And then, uh, I, I really like, we, we've talked a couple times about the glossary in the back, but I want to make it clear to our listeners that there's actually multiple glossaries in the back. So you can, you can look up an individual, for example, Scott Ian from Anthrax. You can look him up by name and find all the pages he's listed on and the bands he's played in. You can look up, there's a glossary dedicated to just band names. There's a glossary dedicated to performers' names. Uh, the, the, I think there's one about, you know, dedicated to, uh, the countries that, you know, which bands might've come from which country. I mean, it, it's, it's a very, I mean, they're splitting hairs left and right and it's really cool. Um, so again, it's this degree of, uh, this level of detail that this person went through and 
we should say that uh, he somehow he got Ted Nugent to write the foreword. Um, so that was kind of cool, I thought, because um, it is a reference book. It, 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 ne it never was intended to be like a bestseller at your local bookstore. Um, so this guy must have had some clout of some sort uh, besides just being a fan. So I was just impressed with the whole thing because I'm a total nerd. And as you said, Jason, I'm a journalist, I'm a writer, I'm a reader. So I really appreciate um, anything that sort of catalogs uh, music to the degree that this does. Because it's, it's, a, it's a nerd's Bible for sure. I, yeah, I was uh, uh, to just add to, uh, to our words here. Uh, I, it makes me wonder like how popular this thing really is how many copies are actually floating around i want sean to talk about its uh, availability or lack thereof here in a second but all of these guys who you know have walls of demo cassettes from you know go, going as far back as probably 81 82 83 and then just like they probably you know people who are proud of their demo you know from like if they have you know the life to leather or in every band from the bay area's you know demo tape that's actually a cassette with a hand-drawn logo etc cetera, etc cetera. You, you know do they even know about this because basically their collection is right here yeah that's that's a good point i we should ask ask sean um so so how many times have you approached somebody to have them sign this book and they're just sort of like taken aback by the fact that this thing even exists? Because again, it was it's not the kind of thing that's on a shelf at your local bookstore. It was intended as a reference book. So Jason's point is a good one. How many of these people do you approach and they go, I've never seen this. Where'd you get this? You got any? It's probably, yeah, it's probably a good, you know, 85 to 90%, you know, because I've got like, 300 and some odd, 400 signatures in here now. Amazing. Yeah. Um, just everybody, you know, except for very few are just like, what, what is this? You know, I mean, one of my favorite ones, it was uh, Sebastian Bach. And it was at the Cat House reunion show that Jason played in Irvine like five years ago, six years ago, whenever that was. Now, you know, I bought the VIP just, just so I could get like the stack of signatures in there and you know they had all the bands that would line up at the, you know sit at the table we'd get ushered through well sebastian was having no parts of that he comes out you know and he's a tall guy he's like six two six three so he stands out above the crowd and of course all the girls are like oh my god Sebastian, what? i'm just hanging back and they're just like getting pictures or whatever and i'm just hanging back and i've got the book open to like the skid row page and then he just looks over the crowd and just sees me standing there, just kind of hanging back. And he goes, you know, and if you've ever heard of him talk, he's got kind of a higher pitched voice. And he goes, hey, man, what's that? And I was like, oh, this old thing? I was like, just this book on metal, you know, but you're in it. And I was just going to get you to sign it when you get a moment. And he goes, hey, let this guy in. I'm like, no, no, take. He goes, no, no, come here. Let me see what this thing is. So he looks through it and he goes, wow, they got all the shit right about me. And he goes, they got Kiss in there, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. They got, it's like two pages of Kiss, you know, history in there. Yeah. And he's like, tell me where I can get one. So I pulled a little piece of paper out and just wrote the full name down and said Amazon. 
And I, I just shoved it in his pants pocket and I just went, go there. And he goes, man, that's cool. You know, the coolest thing I've seen all day. Thank you for that. I bet, I, get, I bet he's got it by now. I bet he does. Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, just to, just to talk about Baz for a second, his short, time with madam x i'm sure is documented in the book isn't it sean i was just gonna go there yeah it, it probably is um let's let's test the book let's let's stump the trunk as if as it were because this book will stump the trunk a thousand times over oh yes mm -hmm. um you know who it didn't stump and he he kept trying to stump it was scott ian scott ian can't this can't stump Scotty, and he knows, he knows no. his. Well, he he was trying to stump me when oh. I met him. He oh. wasn't the nicest person in the world when I met him, and that's a story for another time. Well, yeah, that that that's fine. Um, but you know, had him and Charlie and Frankie and Joey all signing at the same time, and he goes, that's cool. and he goes, oh, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's a metal book, you know, get you sign this. He goes, he goes, well, I bet loudness isn't in there, and I'm like. Well, yeah, Loudness was on a major label. Of, of course, course they're in there. Of course they're in here. They were, they were in Atlantic Records in the U.S. and Victor and whatever, nerding out. And then he starts rambling off like a couple other like pseudo underground bands. I was like, no, it's in there. I was like, you got to go deeper than that. <laughs> and, he, and he was just starting to get frustrated. And he was just like, <laughs> he threw, I can't, oh, what was the other band he threw out? And I was he like. He was, he wasn't even, he was, he was just without thinking well i'm going to stump the book he's just going oh yeah well i bet oh yeah well i bet without really even starting a game right like i i i think this is a good game starter not like oh oh that thing sucks i bet so-and-so is not in there how dare so, they right? so yeah that's exactly how he was you know and it was like whatever all right but i can't remember there was one specific band that was like a little deeper um New York and New Jersey band or something. And he goes, well, they can't be in there. And I just went. What up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat them, read them and weep. Yeah. yeah. He had yeah. enough of my bullshit at that point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's nerd against nerd. Right. Right. And the swords are already sharp because yeah. you're a nerd. So you nerds sh swords are always sharp before they leave the house. So yeah, and, and he is in here from Madam X. Yes, I'm looking at it. It's on page 204, yep. reference number 1722. Detroit. Uh, Madam X, Detroit, Michigan, originally, uh, 1982. Uh, it goes, um, this is, of course, in the before times of before Vixen, right? When Roxy was Richie. with her sister, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sebastian was 86. Yeah. So coming down from Canada to Detroit, cause it's right yeah, across the bridge. September 86 is when Baz was doing that. And it looks like there's a record that came out just before that, uh, in the same year of 86 called we reserve the right. Yeah. 84, 84 is when that record was out. It was on Jet, and that's that doesn't have Baz on it. So, so Jason, we're testing the book. So, I, I yeah. so go to Armored Saint. Now, th this is me. This is me playing devil's advocate. This is me being oh, a. I jerk. love it. 
I, I love it. I love it. I'm playing the game. This yep, is, I love this the is game. me being a journalist, journalistic snob. Look at the armored saint photo and tell, tell me what's wrong with it. Oh, I will just stand by Sean. Don't blow it for me. Now he's making me look too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that that's good. There's actually two things wrong. There's two photos of armored saint and there is two things wrong with the captions you want me to look at the photos yeah just the photos so read the captions and tell me what's wrong with the top oh well they got the left to right wrong yeah yeah they, they got, got it's joe it's joey all the way on the left and and uh yeah they got those mixed up right they 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 transpose the ids on john bush and joey right Perry. well you know four of the original members have the same hair yeah, <laughs> so that's what they're that's what they're re referring to. True. So yeah. now look at I believe it's the photo right. beneath it, uh -huh. and this one's a little more difficult to catch. But see if you can find it. What's what's the what's the mistake? Uh. Well, they got the left to right correct. That's right. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Correct. Correct. Uh, the photo courtesy of Metal Blade. I don't think anything. No. But not saying, say again. The photo is not reversed. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you guys. Okay. Uh, Dave Pritchard's name is misspelled. Oh yeah, see, oh, I wouldn't yeah. even that. That's not even. So let me just show. You're a you're a speller, and I'm not a speller. <laughs> so let me just show because. Oh, on their own signed both photos yeah oh nice yeah do you have uh, a pritchard in there no i never saw him with pritchard okay okay um yeah, I, I was lucky enough to hang out with him a handful of times he was do you know how old, many times i've heard old. people say that you look like dave pritchard oh a thousand times yeah, yeah. John, <laughs> john bush i mean the first time i ever met those guys and i was he was like he, you know, uh, Pritchard wasn't even in the room, and Bush was like, "Man, you kind of look like Dave." <laughs> Weird. And then we, I think me and Dave took some photos together, and like people were like, "Oh, you guys are long lost brothers." It's yeah. like me and Stuart from Igniter. We really <laughs> yeah. have some resemblance going on. I it's could the red hair that. and the freckles and stuff, man. I could see that. And thanks to Jason and um, Jeff Duncan now with Armored Saint. Yeah, that's how I got that connection when they did that San Antonio show with Saxon and Evil United. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, both of y'all just kind of walked me in. You both came to the door at the same time and walked me in and we all got to hang out. One of the things that, you know, and Jeff talks about this all the time, because a lot of people think that Jeff Duncan replaced Pritchard in the band, but he did not. He was in the band at the same time. Um, yes, he was. Yes, he was at the same a time. There's show on YouTube of those two on stage together. It was rare, and it was, I think, short-lived, but Phil had not been asked to come back yet. Right. right. So it was Dave and Jeff together on stage for, for a little while, which is really cool. Yeah. But so, Jeff, people always say, well, you, you replaced Pritchard. And he goes, no, I, I did not. Right. So, Sean, I, I wanted to ask you, and I want to get back to testing the book. I don't want to lose that, but <laughs> I've got, something just crossed my mind as you were speaking uh, about 
lugging this book into venues. Have you ever had an issue getting it into a venue? Like has, has security or some door guy ever said, dude, you can't bring that in here. So I've got this, I call it the MERS, the man purse, the MERS, this little black bag with a shoulder strap. Um, Cause just holding this thing up under your arm for two or three hours is a pain in the ass. Okay. Oh, you should have like a custom like metal like like some kind of like uh you know Vikings purse for this covered in patches. A, a hard rock <laughs> bag, you know what I mean? Oh so when when I'm trying to go through security with that, they they always want to open it up and they just check all the pockets and they just see a bunch of sharpies and guitar picks and the book most of the time. So never really had any trouble um getting it in. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not gonna use this as a weapon. It's right. worth Way, way worth way more than you know trying to use it as a bat with somebody that's why i ask because it's pretty hefty you could do some damage with it if you wanted to go nuts on somebody with that but um yeah i was just curious because i know you you take this with you religiously and you take it i'm sure to you know not just local gigs but you fly out to mexico city and you i mean you go on airplanes to go to gigs and stuff like that so you've probably dealt with multiple different levels of security in different states and different countries and that sort of thing. So I was just curious if you ever had an issue getting it into the venue. Yeah. I haven't taken it out of the country yet. Um, just because I'm a little scared that something may happen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I could have taken it to Europe for that keep it true show that Jason and I were at together a couple of years ago and gotten, you know, Anthem and all these other great you know, you could have uh, got 50 plus just from the ilk of, I mean, there were people there at, at an event, like at a, at a German metal festival. There's people who are not performing that are just hanging out that you recognize them and would be able to get a signature. Yeah. My German friends there were like, Oh, that guy was in, you know, the German vendetta or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, right. <laughs> right yeah you're kicking yourself because but lucky that thing around especially the book, the book is at your house going yeah whatever it didn't put me in the suitcase okay. yeah it's a whatever okay i know you're all mad at you that book is yelled at me um so here's, the, here's something real cool please sean hold that thought i just wanted to throw this out there this is another thing that the book is really good for so Reference number 0700, Dangerous Toys, from the UK. I was going to ask about that. I saw that. So 1987, around yeah. the same time that I started working with the toys, uh, it's got a guy named uh, Pip Phil bass, Blitz Colin drums, Jerry Lyons vocals. Now stop. Jerry with a G. Jerry Lyons. Doesn't that sound familiar to you guys? Not no? all. That sounds mind. familiar. The, the singer's name sounded familiar to me. Uh, Dave Veal joined in 87. Uh, Demo, Red Hot and Dangerous, uh, 1988. There's zero information after that. Yeah. So, lest be noticed to myself and any of the other Dangerous Toys guys here in Texas, were we able to reference or even Google because it's 1987? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was probably something that that Mark Hale got. You probably saw like an ad in the back of a magazine for like, send us $5 for our demo. That's right. Um, and he talks about that in the forward too, that a lot of the, lot of the information just came from combing the, the, the ads in magazines. Yeah. Send me five bucks for you. We have a demo. You know, Death Tripper has a demo called Eat Your Guts or whatever. Send five dollars. And that's how they ended up in there. You know, if that's not what it was called. That's what it should have been called. Exactly. Anyway, so there's there's two, you know, two birds uh, in, you know, uh, of there's many birds of the same at least moniker throughout this, you know, uh, I mean, if you're called like rocks, there's probably 10 bands called rocks oh, yeah. in here. I saw you know? like multiple versions of assassin or yeah. uh, assailant, uh, you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Any, any, um, any sort of name that you can just read in the Webster's dictionary that sounds good at, for a rock band, there's yeah. going to be 20 of them in here. And he, he wasn't afraid to just take up three pages of five different spellings of the word rocks. Yeah. You know, if that be your band name, right? Yeah. One of the things, there was a couple things that caught my attention. Uh, one of them was, uh, you guys are familiar with Atom Bomb, right? Um, at one time, uh, he auditioned for Kiss, and uh, he, he actually wrote a book that I have. It's called it's called 911 is Out of Order or something like that. And it's a pretty interesting book. Um he talks about auditioning for Kiss and uh, hanging out with Eddie Van Halen. He's a bit of a guitar nerd, so he was chasing around his heroes, much like you know some of us do. And uh, anyway, his entry, I was surprised to find that two guys that had played with him in his band, Atom Bomb, was number one, Sandy Slavin. Hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Did you know that right now? I mean, that doesn't matter. We can edit this out. Do you know this, Sean? Like, Caton DePena from Hyrax right now is interviewing Sandy Slavin right now on Facebook Live. Yep. And and Sandy, because I was watching that before we dialed in. Oh, cool. Sandy talked about playing with Atom Bomb right before I cut it off. Wow. So crazy that you brought this that is up. Some, wow. some cool synchronicity happening right now here yeah. on Talk Louder about a bing. Sandy Slavin, uh, carry, carry on, Dave. Sandy, known to most of us as the drummer uh, on Riot's Fire Down Under, and one of the other guys that played with Adam Bomb that I was not aware of was Jimmy Crespo, who I'm an Aerosmith geek. So uh, Jimmy was in the uh, version of Aerosmith that put out the Rock in a Hard Place record. Um, so I had no idea that those two guys spent time with Adam Bomb. That's what this book is full of. That kind of stuff, you know. If you're if you're a geek, you're gonna just turn the page. You go, I didn't know that, or I didn't know these guys were you know worked together. And a lot of times, the, the reason you don't know is because they they didn't necessarily put anything out commercially. You know, it's just that's what this book is all about. It's like, oh well, they did they cut some demos together or something. The guy was in the band for six months, but he was in the band. You know, <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> And well, the, that's why, you know, we, we talked about that, you know, just a, a little snippet of something that you just said. The reason that our our Deep Purple Tree uh, Spectrum episode is such a, a thick, rich cake is because of basically what you just said about if you're in the band five minutes, in my opinion, you're a leaf on the twig, on the branch on the limb 
on the you know that leads to the trunk that is deep purple and i think that it's worthy and this book will take you down so many rabbit holes in the same way Absolutely. and that's what i love i think that it's worthy of i mean i can read one page and connect the dots all on one page at least twice yeah yeah it's crazy so sean let, let me ask you who has been the most elusive uh autograph up to this point Oof. This is there's two and they're local Austin, Texas people. Uh, then we that I, that to date I still have not been able to to get that I'm dying to get their signatures. One, Danny Aaron. Ah, he's in San Antonio. Still never met him. His pictures in the book. Okay. Um, Danny Aaron from uh, Dangerous Toys, of course. Yep. Yeah, and Watchtower bass player. Uh, the name just uh, Doug Keezer. Doug Keezer. Yeah. Miss, he's, miss, he's a yeah. unicorn. So, yeah, he doesn't, he's not at shows. He doesn't go hang out. Um, Dave Pruitt has, has tried to help facilitate a time or two and just could never get the wires to mesh up. Those, those are probably, uh, you know, I would say for local stuff, the two that I, I'd really like to get just to like help complete. I'd be able to complete, you know, that Dangerous Toys photo. And actually, Jason, I didn't have you sign that Dangerous Toys photo. I just looked at it. I just had you on the watch oh. chart. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that that yeah. one we can probably fix. Yeah, well. Yeah, know. I can fix that. <laughs> I know where you live. Yeah, um, right. So, And then so just to tie the. Go ahead, go ahead. Just to be able to tie, you know, I love getting full bands, especially if there's a picture. I like to be able to get everybody in the picture when I can. Like when I got Chastain took three different shows to get everybody that's in that Chastain photo. So yeah. it was a CJSS show that I saw in, in Cincinnati that I went to. I saw Leather in Chicago at Ragnarokker. She signed it. And then when I saw Flotsam a couple of years ago at Come and Take It, Ken Mary, the drummer, um, wow. signed it. And then I got all my Flotsam stuff too, so... So before before we started taping, we were talking a little bit offline, and you were mentioning uh, Tracy Guns and Bobby Liebling, uh, I believe is how you say his name from yep. Pentagram. Yep. Tell me a little bit about both of those guys and and what you were telling <clears throat> us about their reaction to the book. So I'll start with Tracy. Um, he was playing a show on Sixth Street. Oh, man, I can't remember the name of the place, but it's like if you're facing emos on Sixth Street when it was still there, to the right, it was kind of a they had an outdoor stage on the patio. They had a little indoor spot too. It was called like Gibson's or something like that yeah, for a little while. Last I think you were at that show, Dave. I wasn't, but he he played with Rudy Sarzo. Is that right? Yeah, Rudy was there. Um, Sean Duncan was playing that show. Um, the guy from Rapid Tears, um, Canadian band that also got in there. The guy almost that guy almost cried when he saw that somebody knew who Rapid Tears was. Like he he just freaked out. Um, but Sean introduces me to Tracy because they've obviously known each other since they were probably little kids. And he goes, Hey man, check out this book, whatever. And Tracy's just like, I I need one of these. And I was like, I have a spare one at the house. This was like three o'clock in the afternoon when they were doing load ins and Sean just said, Hey, come hang out. Got all the signatures. I was like, I'll be at the show tonight. 
I'll bring you a copy. And he goes, how much? And I was like, there is no how much. Like you've wow. provided me with a lifetime. Like I'm a big LA Guns fan. Yeah. I was like, and and I loved his Killing Machine solo album. I was like, you've provided me with a lifetime worth of listening. I would never ever charge any musician that's in this book that I meet. You know, their their time taking thirty seconds to sign it is worth a copy of that book if they if they ask for one. Yeah. So, you heard it here on Talk Louder. That is a fan lovingly bleeding all over the place and glad to be bleeding on you yeah i mean wow. I, I, I live for that shit and I, I love meeting these guys and, and you know 99 of everybody i've met has been cool other than a few few folks here and there so oh, tracy was just super cool you know just he's just a sweet guy all around you can just tell his demeanor and he's just a really chill guy yeah um the pentagram one, that was a great story. I was still living downtown on Red River across from Mohawk. I'm walking up the street just to go get something to eat before the pentagram show at Emo's. And I see them crossing the street towards Mohawk. And I just see this like stringy hair and like the, the way the sun was hitting and all that. And I was like, oh my God, that's Bobby. So I stop him in the middle of the street. I almost got run over by a tractor trailer truck in there. <laughs> and we're talking and I was like, there's Hey, that there's that labor of love happening yeah, every man. second. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have the book on me. I was like, stand here for five minutes. Like I literally ran, like I'm fat. I don't run. I ran into my apartment, grabbed the book and then end up, I took them to dinner. They were going to go to high maze. And I was like, you don't want to go there because you don't have to leave the stage. She used the bathroom 24 times. <laughs> took them to Trooper Cabra, bought the whole band dinner, you know, it was Victor, the whole, whole works. Bobby sees the book and, you know, I'm getting him sign it. And he goes, is UFO in there? And I was like, of course UFO is in there. It's like his favorite band of all time. And he flips to the UFO page and he goes, I, I, I need a copy of this book, you know, in his incoherent kind of rambling way. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I was like, I'll bring a copy to the show tonight. Or, you know, I'll bring it just back to the bus when, when we're done here. And he goes, man, he goes, what do you want for it? And I was like, nothing, Bobby. He goes, well, you know, you bought us dinner and all. I was like, no, I didn't. Whatever. He goes, just go to the merch booth and take what you want. He goes, you want 10 t-shirts? Take 10 t-shirts. Take 20 posters. He goes, I have to have this. And I was like, you got it. We're, we're done, buddy. You know how, no many, how many Pentagram fans would have lost their minds just hearing bobby <laughs> say that to anyone right you know like obviously bobby fell in love with the book the way that dave and i have and that everyone who just like like i said because of your uh completely innocent and real and true intention on introducing the book to people and just the idea of something like this uh I really wish we could call this Hale person and tell him what you have have done for him and just for rock and roll by by walking around and like and running a mile and 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 researching yourself and auto, autographs and uh you know buying it's the book has its own satchel it's like yeah. it's like uh, Frodo in the ring, you know, you're, you're, you're on a mission, you know, and you're carrying the cross, you know, you're, you're delivering the goods. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I go to Chicago for the Ragnarokker Festival, like I've been three times, we played it once with my ex-band, you know, and that's when I got to meet, you know, Steve Grimmett and all these other guys. And like work with, by the way, for the for the <laughs> two for the two years after, you know, everybody at that show is like, oh, there's the guy with the book, <laughs> and then they're like, hey, this guy was in Cyanide or whatever. You, you need to meet this guy. So get the hookups when I go out of town of people who know what I'm looking for. So it's pretty cool. That, that kind of networking part has been really cool. Well, you, you, you seem to, uh, to travel a little bit and when you can, I'm certain that you pack the book and where have you gone? I, I know you said you, you went to a couple of years ago, keep it true, but you didn't take the book. Where have you gone just in the past, I don't know, three to four years maybe where you were able to pack the book and tap someone on the shoulder and have them sign the book? Um, Frost and Fire Festival. Oh, there you go. Uh, Southern California? Yeah, Ventura. Okay, perfect. Um, I got, and over the course of like the three or four years that they did it, um, Neil Turbin. Oh. Which, which I'm connected through through Doug Morrison because they were in Turban together originally with, with Dave McLean. With Dave McLean, uh, right. Texas legend, right? Who I still don't have. I still need oh. Dave McLean in the book too. Um, Betsy from Bitch, who I got to spend time with on an outdoor patio in Studio City after, you know, after the fest. Or actually, after the fest, she wasn't playing, but Jarvis got me hooked up with her, and she just we met for an hour out on patio. Totally cool. Um, Sirith Ungol. Um, oh my God. That's all huge already because yeah, I, mean, were, I mean, bitch was like a Genesis. Sirith Ungol was a Genesis. Those are, those are, are just uh, bands that sort of started an entire uh, landfall uh, along with Metal Blade. Yeah. Mindless Sinner from Sweden like original lineup i got yeah like insane you know that one of the guys was actually taking a shit in his hotel room when i knocked on the door we were all staying in the same hotel and he's like well the singer's on the toilet and i was like oh wait he goes no no you know they're just like super nice all excited about it and like no no we'll take it to him right now i was like oh man he's gonna flag the book you know george costanza style <laughs> whatever you know their signature on it everything smelled fine whatever um but yeah, just a bunch of bunch of odd stuff like that. It's great. Dave Lombard, well, Dave I got in, in DC, but you know, I've got some like super big names in there. I've got some people who are no longer with us in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, just heartbreaking when you know when we get to some of those stories. Well, your first your your first signature is no longer with us. That's right. All right. Where did you get Lombardo's sig? So it's when Dave was playing with Testament on the gathering tour. Oh wow! Okay. Um, Steve DiGiorgio was playing bass. My one of my buddies in Virginia Beach was friends with Steve, so he got us hooked up on the uh, guest list, and we we got up there super early to hang out. Do you have so, Steve in the book? Yep. <sighs> yes, DiGiorgio signed it. Got uh, James Murphy because he was playing guitar for a Testament at the time. He signed it, and. Um, Steve just goes, hey, Dave's around here somewhere with his wife and kid. Um, just hang out for a minute. He'll probably just pop up. So we're just all hanging out on the bus, you know, mid-afternoon. Next thing you know, here comes Dave and his wife and his kid, who was like seven, eight, or nine. 
and it's the picture of the band like over the girl you know yeah. half naked girl and they're all like ah and steve's like hey dave come here check this out um you need to see this so dave looks at it and he goes oh man that picture and i was like yep that's the one i was like would you mind signing he goes no man be glad like super sweet as nicest guy ever but he takes the picture down and like holds it down in front of his son he goes which one's daddy and the kid, the kid like automatically, like, oh, yeah. he goes, Dad, I've seen this picture a hundred times. You're right there. And he goes, yep, that's me. And he just signed Dave Lombardo, 99. <laughs> so, like, for me, that was like, oh, because Dave's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Oh, yeah. He's a uh, he's yeah. legend and uh, arguably created a, a, an entire style of drumming. So For sure. So, so I want to talk about this real quick. This is a little bit all over the place. So the foreword is – is done by Ted Nugent and it's a full page or two. Like he didn't just say, yeah, it's a cool book. Just check it out. You know what I mean? He wrote more than that, but, but I want to say, uh, this is not just hard rock or metal. It's like gangrene is in here. Cheap trick is in there. Yeah. So it's power pop. It's, it's punk rock. It's sleaze, it's dirty, just good old, you know, classic rock, uh, whatever Deep Purple is, you know, they're they're the everything, right? To me, right. they're the seed, right? Uh, but when you look up Deep Purple, when you look up Black Sabbath, it has every other band in the book mentioned because... Right, they're, they're seven the degrees of separation. Right, right, exactly. They're the Kevin Bacon, right? So... You know, the guy, uh, this David Hale, uh, so I wonder if there's a uh, connection between the publisher, which is in Ann Arbor, Ted Nugent, who's from the area, with this writer. That's, uh, you're connecting some dots there. That's not a bad, sure. not a bad theory. I mean, I, I, I may have thought about that before because, you know, I've had this book for some time now and it's just kind of. It's on the shelf and it's lingering. It's in my collection of other really cool things in my life. And, you know, I, I just wonder if it's from that part of the the states that uh, this guy may have been obviously some kind of rock nerd on top of a journalist on top of he, he was in the industry somehow. <laughs> Yeah, Dave raised yeah. hand. I'm talking. Sound like I'm talking about Dave, right? <laughs> so I know somebody who's connected to Nugent. Paul Arnold from At War has gone hunting with Ted Nugent before. Okay. Um, and I think they still stay in touch every now and then. Okay. I might see if I can backdoor something with Paul to say, "Hey, can you just ask the question? Who was this guy? And are you still in touch with him? Like, yeah. Because man, I would love. I would fly if like this guy was open to meeting. I would fly to wherever he was. And obviously have get him to sign it. I'd have, have him sign it for sure. Yeah, of course. And interview him and go, dude, do you realize what you've done? And this is a thankless job. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Completely. This Maybe. is a labor of love. This is an incredible moment. Um, you know, I don't want to like totally pump the brakes here, but Sean, would you be up to having an episode two? Uh, that had you know, an, a second talk louder episode where we talk more about the book. Yeah, as many as you need. I mean, we, we really just scratched the surface on this thing. That's correct because there's a lot of uh, information 
per band, just if you start at A, we're not going to get to the Bs. Yeah. Because of the connections and the dots that we're going to get there. And I, I really feel like, uh, and Jared was mentioning this earlier, that if we literally talked to you, kind of played ping pong back and forth about all of the signatures you have in there, it's another show. At least another, another it's show. another show. Yeah. We could do a series. Jason, yeah. real, real quick, while, you, while you've got the book in your hand, and yeah. uh, you, just, yeah. uh, you just mentioned Jared, and I wanted to see. Let's test the book. Jared, of course, was in a band called Pariah. Are, is Pariah listed in I, there? I've already checked. Uh, it, it's to, he, he rapped the writer, uh, the creator of this. Um, Finished before they were. Headbangers. It's, it's, it, it, it's on the cusp. It happened just after. Again, everybody, I want you to know, uh, what's, what's the writer's name, Sean? Mark Hale. Mark Hale. Yeah, this Mark. book is called. Uh, we've been referencing. We've been calling this the book, right? It's called Headbangers, the worldwide mega book of heavy metal bands. Even though, to be clear, I just mentioned that you know Cheap Trick and Gangrene and DRI and you know, so it's got anything that it's rock is in here. But no, uh, Jared is and Pariah are not in the book because he wrapped it just prior to when you know 89 90 91 i think he was by 91 he was probably done re his research with yeah his research. he even says as much in the in the first few pages of the book there's a bit of a disclaimer that says hey just uh just so you know i i had to cut it off at some point and i forget what the magic number was or the magic year but yeah he he does make it clear that obviously it's not going to be an all-inclusive but he's trying to at least give you a sense of what the time frame is that he captured yeah you know me and jared were hanging out and and i was wondering and i, I was me and jared were going back and forth about just there's a lot of texas texas is giant yeah. and there's a lot of texas like metal bands and underground bands i mean a band from austin called eku is in yeah. here they don't have all the names because all the names i guess were not listed on the the uh, materials that were sent in or that that he uh discovered but steve holland the guitar player one of the many guitar players from that band is, is mentioned eku and that's just rare and like a lot of people would go well who are they and what is that well yeah. they had a demo out as in 86 and that's what that is they made the reference so he he shoved anything and everybody he could into this it's insane yeah, uh, 542 page uh, manuscript. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Dallas Warlock is in there. You know, yeah. Just well, well. Here, here's what I was going to say: is San Antonio, uh, the band Presence that had Sean Psalm in yeah. it, uh, is not in the book. They are not in the book. And here's the deal: they were, they were worthy of being in this book because of the time frame, 85, 86, right? Earlier. 80, 83, 84, 85, 86. And because uh, they had management that worked for not Stone City, but maybe Stone City. And there was a connection between promoters that would book uh, touring bands through, through Texas. And Presence got to open for Legs Diamond. And uh, they got shoved on that Metallic Armored Saint gig here in Austin because Wasp canceled. That's a whole other episode but 
the point is they're not in here and they they could have shoulda woulda but you know like the disclaimer you mentioned dave the guy the guy couldn't be couldn't do i mean how fast was he walking and running and diving into uh demo tapes and referencing and and cross-referencing and fact-checking and double-checking and yeah I, I do want to say since you brought up texas bands uh, i was happy to see as is is listed in there yeah and uh as is of course was fronted by robert wagner who's a friend of ours and uh yeah. his dad of course was dick wagner who played for alice cooper and so is uh, robert's name in the book they call him bob uh actually they misspelled his name and they don't call him robert they call him i think it's uh i almost want to say they called him bog or something they they, they misspelled his name and they called him they were trying to call him bob okay uh it's are you looking sean it's, it's a, a typo a, a z i z two z's yeah that's and robert i didn't know that yeah and that's robert that's that's I've Robert. Oh, times. oh, good. So the yeah, you need to to pack up the book and go to one of his oh. shows. Hey, I, oh, I, he Dave, played last you. night. He played I, I, last night at Moon Tower. Yeah, today yep. he's listed oh, as Bog Wagner. Oh, today, so Sean, you could ro roll over to Moon Tower probably right now and catch him there. Sean at Moon Tower today from three o'clock onward. He's playing a oh, gig. Man, I'm not gonna be able to make that. But he's around. He's yeah, low. I, yeah. I see him all the time. And that's, Man, uh, that's I had him. no idea that was him. That's well, him. see once it, once again the 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 knowledge of nerds prevails, <laughs> and the book gives us a reason to probably have as part two on talk louder about the book. Yeah, yeah, because I would definitely like to like touch on some of the guys who have died that are in here. Yes, yes, yeah. of course, of course we can. Dave, what you got? Well, I just wanted to say uh, thanks, number one, to uh, to Sean for joining us today and sharing some of his travels and his adventures and uh, and and the book, as we all call it. Um, and thank you for uh, giving me my own copy back in 2011 for my birthday. I, I, I'm pr a proud owner, one of the few proud owners, as is Jason. Um, but yeah, we do need to have you back, and I, I, I'd have you back another, uh, you know, maybe even a third time, and just pick your brain about your record collection because something we didn't even talk about today was, uh, yeah, you know, your extensive knowledge of of vinyl. You know, you're one of these collectors that goes out of his way to get import versions and typo versions and misprints, and I don't think I don't think you have just a normal store bought record in your collection. <laughs> Everything you have is unique in some special way. So we we should probably have you back and talk about that at some point too. Yeah, to, real quick, uh, uh, Sean, you have uh, uh, you have something you call the metal files. Tell us about that. So um, the metal files, I finally put together on like a WordPress site, themetalfiles.com. And mostly it was just reviewing concerts that I went to. Um, sometimes doing album reviews, but it was mostly like, you know, go, go to Ragnarok or in Chicago, see a show. You know, Iron Maiden comes to town. Review the show. But you're and always uh, you're always including the set list that they the bands played that night. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and more or less doing it for my own memory. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes like somebody like they played that sh that song that night. I'm like, no, they didn't. I would have remembered that. And then I go back and like, oh man, I even talk about them playing that song. You know, in my in my review. So I'm doing it for my own posterity's sake, so that. 
if I get hit in the head somewhere down the road and I sure. can't remember anything, well, maybe something there will trigger. Just count on getting hit in the head, whether you get hit in the head or not. <laughs> no, That's true. Shit happens. And then, then I just started um, on Facebook. I've got a Metal Files page. And what I've been doing is going A to Z with every autograph that I've got, posting the autograph and then explaining when and where I got it. Um, some with some photographic proof of me with the band or whatever. But it's also helping jar memories for me. So, so tell people where they can find that on Facebook. That's under me the Metal Files or under your name? It's under the Metal Files. Okay. Should, it should pop right up. The Metal um, Files on Facebook. And, and you're posting photos of the pages that are signed, and you're telling the backstory behind getting the signature. And it's, it's yeah. really cool. I'm glad you started doing this because you've just uh, – you've only done it – you've only started it recently. And I see it, and I – you know, of course, I'm a nerd, so I get into the story behind it, and I think it's pretty cool. And I think other people listening to the show would dig it too. So The Metal Files on Facebook – sort of a, an extension of what we're talking about here today yeah yeah please uh by all means you know, well we're definitely gonna have to have you back man this has been a lot of fun over somewhere between 300 and 400 signatures you said in quote the book also known as headbangers which is its proper title it is uh, a, a fairly hard to find reference book uh i don't know how many copies are out there but sean's got his uh you know, autograph big time and, uh, and he's still working on it. So, uh, we'll have you back. We'll talk some more about it, but meantime, let's move on to our shot of rock and roll. My shot of rock and roll for you today, Sean is besides the book. What would you say are maybe your two other most prized pieces of rock and roll memorabilia in your collection? Oh, wow. Um, Okay, first one's easy. I've got a pair of Nicka McBrain drumsticks from 1988 from a drum clinic where he let me play his drums and with him standing right next to me. Like, I'm a senior in high school. I'm a, like, I'm, I wasn't crying, but I should have been. He's my favorite drummer of all time. <laughs> he let me play his drums at his clinic. Only me and one other person got to play. And there's only maybe 30 people there because White Snake was in town that night and everybody was at White Snake. Um, so it's a combination. I've got the tip drumsticks that I just kept them in my hand when I left his kid and he goes, you can keep those. And I was like, yeah, you're gonna have to fight me for them. <laughs> and he also and gave me a bottle of Heineken that night that, you know, I didn't drink back then. Um, I made a comment about Tommy Aldridge and that's a story all in its own. And he goes, hey, Steve, Steve Gadd, his drum technician, he goes, give that guy a beer. So I've got, getting this ice cold Heineken that I never opened, had him sign it after the thing. So I've still got that sign sitting on top of my record shelf. Nice. So I'll, I'll just call it, those two are like the, that's pretty huge for me. Wow. Do you have anything for me and Jason that you want to? I've, I've got a parting shot. And, okay. and, it's, and, it's, a, and it, it's a very important one. And, and I think it'll be important to all of us. Awesome. This is a surprise. Um, I think it was eight years ago today. We lost Jeff Hanneman. Ah, uh, yes. Wow. So I'm repping, repping the Slayer shirt um, in his honor today. And I'm just going to ask, what are y'all's number one favorite Slayer song? If you can pick one. Oh. <sighs> I, I thought about this all morning, and I still don't know if I can pick one, but I've got I, one. Yeah, I, yeah, that's why I hate this. Wow. 
Um, God, there's so many. I mean, Angel of Death is the obvious one, but I I don't want to give you the obvious. Um, um, I might go with Mandatory Suicide. Um, ah, that's pretty serious. That's a pretty good one. I, I've always enjoyed that one. And I always liked uh, Behind the Crooked Cross. Yeah. That's kind of a, a more obscure track, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 li- I like old stuff, um, but I, you know, the South of Heaven record is sort of an unsung record. Uh, so there's stuff on there, but dude, at dawn they sleep is like much like mandatory suicide. It it's it's got cool turnarounds like the time signature changes a little bit in both of those songs actually and it's not just balls out the whole time so there's time you know there's there's two or three different time signature changes in the in the song in both of those songs well maybe not mandatory yeah mandatory there's two or three and at dawn they sleep there's like there might be four you know yeah, they're, on the, they're on the ceiling they're in the valley they're on the ceiling they're in the valley but there's also like two other parts of the song that are different tempos so you can't play that song with a click track unless the click track is programmed <laughs> so that's what's awesome about it's like led zeppelin kind of shit you know what i mean they're, they they want to drag the beat here on purpose but then when they get to the chorus they want to they want to be on top of it so it's this different um and who knew that we'd talk about Slayer in that form? But uh, yeah, I guess I guess if I have to pick one today, it'll be at dawn they sleep. That's a good yeah. One. Today I'm going with um, probably Black Magic. Yeah, right. that yeah. was the first, that was first Slayer song I ever heard. Even though the Rain and Blood album was the one that really made me a true fan of Slayer. Between Black Magic, Tormentor, and Chemical Warfare. Oh and because God. they were on those Metal Blade compilations too. Yeah. So yeah. they were just yeah. in that flow of stuff I was listening to, but I didn't yeah, really become a huge Slayer fan. Mm-hmm. Which before. Metal Massacre are, uh, are Slayer featured on? And I want to say that the first one, 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 two, or three. I'm going to say two, but it's probably three. I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, I'm oh. not going to claim that I even know that. I can go grab my copy real quick and look. But <laughs> You know, it, it might be worth it. We can edit. Go get it. It looks like it was probably Metal Masker 3 with Aggressive Perfector. Yeah, you're right. I couldn't find my copy of 2, but um, usually you only got one shot on those. So right. looks like it was probably 3 with well, Aggressive You know what? Let's do this. Let's reference the book because it might tell us. So this is where it's going to, This see, this is going to be fun. See, I, I'm such a nerd. I, I, I'm looking and I'm going, Starfighters, and then I just want to read about Starfighters. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happens. Sound Barrier. You know, I want to read about Sound Barrier. <laughs> okay. 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 Stand by. Here we go. L.A., California. All right. Uh, Jeff Hanneman, Tom Mariah, Kerry King, Dave Lombardo. Uh, Tony, yeah, Scag- Tony, Tony Scaglione, Tony Scaglione. Uh, I found it. 
it's volume three. It's volume three. three. Volume three. Great. Okay, you looked it up. Yeah, you were you were right. Uh, demo had three tracks: Aggressive Perfector, Metal Massacre Three, uh, Inagata Devita Less Than Zero soundtrack. It's just going off on shit. All right, cool. There you got it. So yep. Jared wanted to ask us real quick. He just, uh, our producer just uh, shot us a note, Sean. He wants to know on the theme of Slayer, how many times have you seen them? Not enough. Um, <laughs> the unfortunately, and this is just because of the location that I lived and my age. I mean, I'm 51, but Slayer didn't play our town until Seasons in the Abyss. So I didn't get to see pre-Rain and Blood Slayer, which I would have would have died to have seen. Um, at that show, it's hard to kind of tell, but my nose is crooked because of a mosh pit. <laughs> and I've had a doctor offer to fix it. And I was like, well, I just like to be able to show the story and not just talk about the story. Hey, <laughs> or me getting my nose broken in a mosh pit when I fell on a guy. Wow. Um, but I think I've seen them five times maybe. All right. Twice, twice with Lombardo and all the other times with Postal. I think Jason's got the best story of all. The first oh, yeah. time, Jason. Yeah, the, the first, the first time I I saw Slayer, I was on the bill, opening for him. Yeah, so that was uh, November 29th, Thursday, November 29th, 1984 uh show no mercy was out uh haunting the chapel had just come out and hella waits was not out yet but they were playing material from hella waits they played hella waits uh hardening of the arteries you know that was they were they were starting to to write stuff like that for the next record but they were you know which came later i think hardening of the arteries i'm not sure what record that was on but they were playing Hell Awaits. They had Hardening of the Arteries, I think. And I only know that because uh, some friends of mine talked talk to them about, give me some, some new song type, you know, just like shooting the fat with them. Uh, let's see. Uh, they had just taken the makeup off. Yeah. Like they, they, the legend goes, they went and played the Bay Area and everyone was making fun of them yeah ruthie's they got dogged out at ruthie's yeah and that's a legendary so but it's the same tour that's their first tour was in 84 yeah it's four times i've seen them only one for bombardo unfortunately ah okay yeah Uh, i i I have pictures that i snapped backstage of hanneman and carrie king right behind me on my coffin case here that uh that i took on that that show date that was militia watchtower uh la slayer and then it was either the next night or the night after that that they did the infamous via fontana with slayer versus slayer also with militia and cyrus i think it was cyrus yeah i've got Uh, a copy of that uh that flyer yeah but then i saw them at liberty lunch i saw slayer at liberty lunch uh just the next year uh, with I think victory, and um, German victory, yeah, maybe with Hoffman, maybe Grim Reaper. Wow. Uh, 
I have to, I'm going to have to look that up. I, I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't really care about who else was on the bill, but I think it was like a, a promoter. Uh, there was a talent buyer that was putting it, putting that together for them. It was a summer tour. And I have pictures of me hanging with, with them, with uh, me hanging with Dave Lombardo and Tom. And what I remember about that gig is, uh, and that was, that was Hella Waits tour. Uh, there's no barricade and the stage at Liberty lunch was low, like knee high, maybe. So, you know, mosh pit happens. Your, your face is going to slam into their chest. <laughs> You're going to yeah. hit. So Tom's singing and the microphone is hitting him in the face, you know, so he has to stop playing, you know, thumb in his bass and just move his hand, you know, to keep the microphone from hitting him in the teeth. So while he's holding the microphone, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm thumbing his strings <laughs> while he's holding the mic, so he doesn't get his teeth broken out by the people hitting the mic stand, hitting him in the face, right? So yeah. he's holding on to the mic, and I'm going. It only happened on a couple of songs, but at one point he's you know playing, the, you know, kind of hammering the notes on the neck and looking down, watching me, and kind of laughing as I'm like thumbing the strings. <laughs> well, but you know, it, it wasn't anything. Uh, it was like, no one even noticed. No, no one around. Cause it's just chaos. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'll never forget that. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then I think after that, they were, they blew up. Yeah. We saw them once together, actually, Jason. Um, yeah. The Jägermeister tour when you got us hooked up in the box. That's right. Uh, Jim Florentine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. And Lombardo yep. was playing on that one. So I've seen Lombardo twice. That's right. And that was uh, what year? That was 2010. Okay. Yeah. I got okay. laminate that I got from San Antonio. Yeah. I, yeah I I have, we, we have that too. I had so, a Carrie and, uh, and Hanneman signed it. You can't really wow. tell because it's black on black, but it's actually oh, autographed. Awesome. Um, I I think that I know the first time I saw Slayer, I did a stage dive. It was my second stage dive ever, and it was at the Showcase Events Center in San Antonio. And I can never, I, I need to look it up. I can never rem remember for the life of me if it was uh, the Rain and Blood Tour or South of Heaven, but it was one of those two. And I got on the stage and I dove off and into the chaos, and uh, I still have the ticket stub. And it, I, it, I swear it looks like it went through the washing machine. It's you can't even read it. It's just a wadded up water. Well, it probably did paper. Yeah, it, no, it's from all the sweat and the mosh pit and all that. You know, it just it speaks for itself. You can just tell it was a crazy show. It says I, it says Slayer without even saying Slayer anymore. You know what right, I mean? Right. right. <laughs> I saw uh, this is kind of a good one. I saw uh slayer in you know just a couple of years after that i was in i was in los angeles i saw them at uh la sports arena or something opening for judas priest on ram it down tour so it was like 87 88 probably 88 i think yeah yeah so it was slayer and i think that that's south of heaven uh just yep. it was just slayer and judas priest there was no other as far as i recall there was no other bands wow. so that's like seeing two two gods you know 
Absolutely. godly bands. That's not my favorite Judas Priest record by any means, but you know, I got to hear classic Judas Priest songs next to at that even still at even at that early in the game for Slayer, classic Slayer songs yeah, played on sure. Slayer's home turf. Um, and I'll never forget it. I was sitting next to Slash watching Slayer from the soundboard. Nice. Like literally cool. Slash is like, you know, elbows touching, watching Slayer and Judas Priest. Yeah. LA Sports Arena. I'm pretty sure it's, I want to, maybe the forum. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with LA Sports Arena. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. And then, cool. and then I saw that Jägermeister thing with you guys. And then, uh, trying to think of other times that i that i saw slayer oh we all saw them at acl together that's right that's right so i'm gonna say probably five times and there may be one that i'm just forgetting oh man i i've seen them at least five times and oh I'm... oh lazona rosa yeah there was that with, one wow. with, with hate breed with yeah. hate breed i saw them with yeah. hate breed in san antonio i have probably i wouldn't doubt if i've seen slayer between eight and ten times I mean, I never saw him as early as you did, Jason. But uh, once I once I saw him, uh, whether it was Rain and Blood or South of Heaven, then I just I rarely missed him whenever they came through. Well, I, yeah, I, I was final tour in amphitheater as well. I was lucky enough to see them when you know in the in the Genesis, right? When it's they're still they're doing what I'm trying to do. They have a record out. Yay! They they're they're they borrowed mom's credit card. Yay. They're on a tour. You know, that kind of a thing. I got to see them when they drew 150 people and that was kick ass, you yeah, know, yeah. they were underground. They were still an underground band. That's right. That's right. So, so, but it, because of the way things go, uh, you know, it was soon after that, that it, it was very, very different. I remember something else about, um, that sh the you know the show that I that I got to open for him uh, was it was like literally maybe a week or two after that in now infamous show at Joe Freeman Coliseum with Exciter Merciful Fate and Motorhead on the No Remorse tour with Pete Gill from Saxon on drums. I saw them at the Joe and Harry with you. Uh, it was Mastodon, Children of Bodom, Slayer, and Lamb of God. We went to that show together in uh, San Antonio. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, now that we're talking, it, I, it's up. Oh, there's another one. There's another. Damn, one. that's like that's like seven times or yeah. something. Now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, you know, you, you you do a shot of rock and roll. You you start with Slayer, and you won't get us to shut up. So then you add another forty five minutes to the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, we haven't done a Slayer episode yet, and we totally could, and it'll probably be one where we would have uh you know a guest or two on so we could kind of go back and forth and hear hear some campfire stories about slayer yeah what you got dave yeah well i wanted to thank sean once again for joining us today had a great conversation enjoyed uh picking your brain about the book and uh we will do it again i'm sure uh want to remind everyone listening hit that subscribe button on our youtube channel leave us your likes and comments you can also follow us on facebook itunes and spotify i'm metal dave glessner with my co-host jason mcmaster and special guest sean weingartner signing off we'll see you next time on talk louder <laughs>